Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie, he was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear, and his current stand-up special is called, It's Scary in Here, it's available for you free on YouTube. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. I am so glad you're here because it is showtime. We got another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is a stand-up and writer. He has written for such shows as Kevin Can Wait, The Crew on Netflix, and his latest project is called Flagrant, starring Michael Rappaport, and his name is Pete Corielli. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And our superfan shout-out is for Claude Martin. Say hi to Claude, everybody. Hello, Claude. Hey, Claude. How you doing, buddy? And Claude, if Phil was here, he would say, Bonjour! I just picture him in a beret saying that, only because Claude is a French-Canadian truck driver, and we're accompanying him when he's working. So we're happy we could do that hey. for you, Claude. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank everybody at the Arlington Draft House for coming out. I had a great weekend, and I got to hang out with my friend Marcus Stern. <laughs> it, was, it was great to see you, man. It was great fun. Did you have a date, Adam? We had a man date. Mark took me. He's like, uh, hey, do you want to go see the trail? And I'm like, nah, another man's inviting me into the woods. I don't know if I'm comfortable about this. Yeah, Mark, I even know you don't invite an Italian into the woods. No, we don't think we're coming out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I did watch that episode of The Sopranos. Yes. (laughs) The trail is my temple of peace. It's my temple of solitude. It's where I go to escape from everything. And I know you are a man who is constantly on the go. You got got everything coming at you. And I was like, you know what? Let's go find some peace in the wilderness. (laughs) So, yeah. So... We went. Okay, I, I'm he, not thinking. Uh, I'm laughing because your interpretation of peace and Adam's interpretation of peace are two different things. Let's yeah. go find some peace in the wilderness. What? The- <laughs> Adam's peace is in front of a TV watching football. Yeah. Right. right. Well, we, 
we end up getting to that on Sunday. But yeah, so Saturday, I'm like, all right, this will be fun. It's a beautiful day. And it was gorgeous here in Washington. And But I'm not thinking that you have shows to do that night. Uh-huh. So you're in work mode. Yeah. You're you're like you're you're dealing with a bunch of stuff. You got gigs coming up next week. You got auditions. You got all this stuff. And I'm like, look, it's a squirrel. I know. <laughs> let's go. Let's go walk on the trail. And so I could kind of see when we were going because we also hit traffic that the clock was starting to spin in your head. You're like, do I really have time for this shit? Okay. Well, honey, first of all, let me the seat. It was a beautiful fall day. It really was. The leaves were turning. It was absolutely stunning. Nobody does decay like God. <laughs> right. And we're, and we're in a convertible. You know, just, just, just two straight guys in a convertible on an autumn day. Wait a minute. What, what is non-masculine about driving in a convertible, man? Nothing. It, but I didn't tell you his convertible is pink. <laughs> I was going to say, he, so he showed up in, in his convertible, opened the door for you and said, hop in. Mm-hmm. He said, hop in, toots. I should have known then. <laughs> so it's a beautiful autumn day. The leaves are turning, and we are sitting in traffic, but we're sitting in traffic in the woods. There's one lane going into where this trail is, but you're in the woods. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's standstill traffic. And, you know, when you're in nature, sometimes nature calls. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, so I had to pee. Now, after six years of Top Gear, you pee wherever you want and just hope Rutt doesn't take a picture of you. That was those. That, that was the rules. <laughs> so I looked at Stern and I said, uh, I got to pee. He's like, well, when we get in there, there's there's, uh, there's bathroom. I go, can't make it that long. Stay here. And I got out of it and I got out of the convertible and wandered into the woods. Right. As long as you don't walk into the woods with a uh, rolled up newspaper, and like a cigarette hanging out of your mouth. Yeah. I think there I think everyone knows. And a roll of it's, toilet it's, paper it's, under my arm. Right. They know it's it's one, not two. That's yeah. I think it all anyone's compared about. I come all the way back. We haven't moved. We haven't moved at all. <laughs> no, we hadn't. It was a popular place to be. We eventually got our way into the park. Wasn't your first impression like, oh my God, this is beautiful. It was. I, uh, honey, I got to be honest with you. It was beautiful. We get out of the car. I'm like, this is stunning. And Stern goes, okay, let's get ready. He opens up his trunk. He takes out a backpack. Then he takes out <laughs> another bag. And I'm like, if he takes out a tent, I'm going to hit him in the head. <laughs> How long are we going to be on this trail? He's got supplies. <laughs> Alex, if you could have seen the look in his face, because, again, he's starting to do the mental calculation of, like, how long are we going to be here? I've got a show to do tonight. Yeah. Is this is a six-hour trip. What are we doing? Honey, he, ga- he gave me a colostomy bag filled with water. I was like, what is this? Oh, no. it, it is not a colostomy bag. It is a type of water that comes. It looks like it's uh, uh, like it's a, a plasma bag. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a plasma bag. It's like it's an IV uh, bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's uh, hydrogen-infused water. The best water you'll ever drink. Uh-huh. That's your free plug for hydrogen-infused water. Um, but, yeah, I always bring, like, lots of supplies. When I was hiking in the Grand Canyon, my pack literally weighed 80 pounds. My friends were like, what are you taking with you? Uh-huh. I just like to be prepared. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So I always kind of over-prepare. But, yes, you were you were a little wigged out by the possibility of this being a six-hour tour. Right. But it was beautiful. We went into the woods and we uh, it, it, it was it was really quiet. It was actually it was too quiet. And I, it was. 
I was like, he's planning something. And, and you know what I did, honey? I made him walk in front of me. I said, go ahead, you take the point. <laughs> this is how he relaxes. <laughs> it Look, it, it was absolutely beautiful, but you're right. It's like, you know, I can't, you, you can't turn it off. It's like, it's like the, when it's like when people say it's a working vacation. Then it's not a vacation. You're working. That's true. When they say it's a working vacation. Yeah, there's no. Work I'm, I'm working in good weather. That's all it means. <laughs> we got. I got offered a gig in Hawaii, and I'm like, I'm not going to Hawaii for this kind of money. He goes, No, you don't understand. It's a working vacation. I go, No, you don't understand. It's work. I'll pay me for the work, and I'll pay for my vacation. Let's do that. <laughs> because I can't turn the switch off and go, oh, look at this, a surfboard. I can't do that. I got to go to work. <laughs> I know. So so we walked around a little bit. And, again, it was a gorgeous day. A lot of people out. I showed Adam my ritual that I have. Mm -hmm. It's a little thing I made up. There's this stump, like, off the trail. You got to, like, the game is you try and toss a rock onto it. And if mm -hmm. the rock stays on the stump without falling off, you get good luck. I failed miserably. Adam, first try ever. Gets it, lands it, sticks the landing. I, I hit it the first time because I wanted to get the hell out of here. I, I didn't want him to go. <laughs> no, you're like, we got to go. He's like, he's oh, handing God. me another rock. No, try it again. You, you try it again. No, I want to go home. <laughs> I felt bad because I had completely miscalculated. I was like, damn it, we needed to do this when we neither one of us had anything going on. Yeah. And Alex, it was so peaceful out there. I mean, it really was. There was so many like just wonderful, friendly people. And Adam, remember, remember all the people. So remember that lovely, serene lady sitting on the bench. How peaceful she was. She was dead. Okay, she she died <laughs> on the bench. Not dead. <laughs> she was not dead. <laughs> She should be doing something, right, Adam? Yeah, gosh, she's so steeped in stillness. That's rigor mortis. Can I go home now, please? <laughs> Here's your bag of water. Thank you for having me. I got work to do. <laughs> but, Mark, I, I cannot thank you enough. First of all, for wanting to share that with me, I, I understand that, that, that that's your fortress of sternitude, where you go. <laughs> sternitude. It is. I love it. I love and it was, it was for you inviting me there. And I really, I always enjoy spending time with you, my friend, but we're always rushed. We did have a lovely Sunday. I was relaxed on Sunday because my shows were over and the Jets won and I hit a, and I hit a parlay. Yeah. Except I had to work. I had shit I had to do that night. So I oh. couldn't be in the moment with you. You don't like it when it happens to you, do you? <laughs> it seems like your menstrual cycles are off, guys. Yes. <laughs> Could be it. Could be it, Alex. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. So here's what we learned today, kids. I think the key to relaxation is you have to be present. You know, you're not worried about the future. You're not ruminating yes. over the past. You're just there uh, in the moment with good friends. And that's something I have to work on. It's not just me. Pete Corielli has to work on the same thing. He's a very, in, he's a very intense man. He pissed off Germans in Berlin. That's not easy Ooh. to do. <laughs> and not wise either. No. <laughs> But I really had a good time uh, talking to Pete. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. Many spiritual and religious traditions talk about the human tendency to spend too much time outside the present moment. According to a Harvard University study, we spend almost 50% of the time we are awake not thinking about what we are doing. So what are we thinking about instead? Well, we either ruminate about things that happened in the past, or we worry about things that yet have to come. The latter often goes hand in hand with fantasies about negative outcomes. If he takes out a tent, I'm going to hit him in the head. <laughs> <laughs>
You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Does this smell bad to you? The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I've got some stand updates for you tonight, October 20th through Saturday, October 22nd. I am at Comics Roadhouse at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Uncasville, Connecticut. Grab your aunt, grab your Uncas, and come and see me. October 29th, I am at the Keswick Theater in Pennsylvania. And November 25th through the 27th, I will be at the Tempe Improv in Tempe, Arizona. There is a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of these shows, I want to shake your hand. I want to shake your hand, and I want to thank you for supporting me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a writer, stand-up, and podcaster. He has worked on the show's Kevin Can Wait, The Crew, on Netflix, and his latest project is called Flagrant, starring Michael Rappaport. He co-hosts the Peter and Sebastian show with Sebastian Maniscalco that you can hear on iHeartRadio every week. And on October 29th, we will both be performing at the Keswick Theater in Pennsylvania. He drives a Subaru. He jiggles handles loudly on the doors of public restrooms, and I'm very glad he's made time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Pete Corielli. How are you, my friend? All right. I love the intro, man. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be hanging with you. It's been a long time, pal. It's really is, and I'm looking forward to working with you on the 29th, and thanks so much for doing this. Dude, no, I'm looking forward to both things. The 29th, I was looking forward to doing this with you, and God, we go back a long way, bro. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but we had a conversation. I came back from my first acting gig, and they said that I have an accent. And you went, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Did you ever try to get? Did you ever try to get rid of it? I did. I took speech lessons, uh, and and every I took speech lessons, and uh, I can turn it on and turn it off. And one of the best things I ever did was the biggest bet I ever laid on myself. One of the biggest bets I ever laid on myself was I actually got a commercial a golf commercial uh and uh i was the voice of the golf ball and when they they offered it to me and they said uh, uh well you know someone in the office heard it and said you sound too new york so we're just going to give you half the money so my manager said we just got half the money for doing nothing i said tell him i'll give him the money back all i ask is give me another shot at it and don't tell the guy in the office that it's me 
I did it, and I hit it, and I got the whole thing. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a great bit about the accent that I want to play right now because it's a lot, a lot of fun. I don't mind having my New York Long Island accent. It is what it is, baby. But let's be honest, you know, the minute you start talking with this accent, nobody ever thinks, oh, there's a genius. (laughs) I wish I could lose the accent sometimes, that's all. Like, my wife and I went to get a mortgage on the house. I had to get a bank loan. Before we walk in, my wife goes, when we go in there, try not to sound all goomba. <laughs> that was the note. Don't sound goomba. <laughs> right away, the bank lady comes up. She's like, good afternoon. I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know? Then she has to walk away to get some. My wife looks at me. How you doing? How you doing? <sighs> what are you, ordering a pastrami sandwich at a deli? That's it. Oh, that. Yeah, I can't turn it off like you, man. I can't. And the other thing too is you could you could pass for maybe not being Italian. I feel like even if I didn't have my accent, they'd be looking at me like, really? Yeah. How long did you have to put the wine cork in your mouth to fucking lose that accent? Guy? <laughs> yeah, the wine cork. <laughs> yeah. You put the wine cork in so it straightens yeah. out the jaw and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say Pete. For those of you, for those of you who have never seen Pete, I'm not saying he looks Italian, but he might as well walk around in a gondola outfit with a big stick. <laughs> I know, man. So, was there funny in your house growing up? Oh my God! My dad, my mom was all Irish, but my dad was all Italian, mm-hmm. and he he worked in New York City, so. He was an architect, so he'd come home every day. We wouldn't eat till he got home, so we didn't eat till like twenty to seven. But mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, we always talk about the comics we loved and all that. But for me, my father would come home and he'd sit down at the table and he had stories every night. Whether it's <laughs> when he was commuting with his guy, who was over here, and this thing, you know, it was always something. And uh, always laughing at my brother and sister. And I'll never forget one time at the dinner table, my dad made fun of someone or I did. And my mom starts crying and she goes, can't we just have one night, one night where no one makes fun of anyone? <laughs> and then there's like a pause. And my little brother goes, one night. What? Like, and then we make, we make fun of her. You know what I mean? Like, what else do we have, bro? That's all we have is making fun of each other and laughing, right? Come yeah, on. that was a, a sense of humor. Was it was it it was a it was a source of pride, and it was how you fit in. It was like how I fit in to have the sense of humor because I don't have you know I come from a mechanical family. You know, my father would build. He did kitchens and bathrooms. He could fix cars. That's why I love cars. But I can't, Pete. I can't. I don't have the if then go to statement in my head. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. There is a sense of humor though on Long Island that is like. It's just great. I mean, nine out of ten people are kind of funny just mm-hmm. in everyday life on Long Island. And I, I just always wonder, like, if I lived in Iowa and I grew up in Iowa, would I be like, oh, back home in Iowa, just laughing my ass off, going, nothing, nothing like Iowan jokes. You know, like, <laughs> I feel it's not. I feel like it's not just privy because we live in Long Island. It really is. It's like the New England has it too. It's just so yeah. Funny, funny people in that Boston, New England area, too. It's a West yeah, I East think, Coast well, thing. It's, it's also we respond to it because we get it, you know. We, uh, mm-hmm. It's also a source of comfort because I think when you're younger, all that stuff gets written on the hard drive, and that's what you find funny today. Well, you know, I talk about Ayuma. I just, I literally just got back two days ago. My wife, we were in Berlin, Germany. She ran the Berlin Marathon. Mm-hmm. And we br- brought my daughter. We had a great time. But we had this window that wouldn't close. And after two days asking, I called down to the front desk. It's a nice hotel, you know. And I'm on the phone with this German lady. 
And she goes, we'll send, I'm telling the situation and no one's been coming in. She goes, I'll send someone, right? You don't have to be mean to me. And I'm like, I'm not being mean to you. She goes, I'll send. And, and then she goes, I'll send someone right away. And I go really nicely. I go, okay, what's right away in German? You know? <laughs> and then she goes, one, one minute, you know? But I'm like, I, that's like, I wasn't even trying to be funny. That's like something any Long Islander would say yeah. on, a, on a phone, you know? Just, but it's just funny, you know? It's like, what's one minute, what's right away in Germany? Because I've been waiting two fucking days, lady. But yeah, I'm the same way. Like, it's got to happen now. I have no patience. It happens now. And I don't want to hear ambiguity. It's either done or it's not, you know? And if it's not done, yeah. I go, don't tell me a story. And I don't want to hear an excuse. Is it done? No. It's, you know, so I have yeah. the same thing. And I, I got it from my dad. And a lot of guys on the East Coast have that as well. That's why everyone thinks we're rude. And we're not rude. We're, we're in a hurry. That's what it is. So when you're out west and you live out there now, mm -hmm. I feel like like I lived out there for one year, and any time I had a confrontation at a coffee shop or something, I, they were looking at me like I was a hurricane or something. <laughs> like it, it, I'm, I'm like, this is every day back home, but to them it's like an assault. Yeah. So do you, do you find yourself trying to uh, tone it down, the, the New York part of you, and just be uh, yeah. a little more? Yeah. yeah especially like, well, And the other thing, Pete, is when I go on the road, you know, when I go on the road, it's and I come back, you know, I still got road energy plus my energy. So apparently yeah. I'm a lot. My wife, <laughs> I'm a lot. Even the dogs hide under the bed because I'm just, everything's like a, I'm like a field general. I have to do this, get this done. I got to do this interview. I got to got to knock this out. I got to uh, interview up after this, right? After this, be, after we finish this interview, I got to go yeah. set up because I got to do an audition for a movie. Then I got to edit tonight. So I'm already nine, nine things, nine plates of spinning around. Oh my God. Now, when you audition for a movie, like, uh, is it at least uh, you enjoying the fact that they're taking more and more doing it on tape as opposed no, to having No, I'd rather be going... in a room. I'd rather be in a yeah. room. I'd rather have yeah. that connection. I'd rather feel the energy in a room. I'm a better actor with other people. I don't like that. Because everything I do here is with my wife in front of a green screen and a camera. Right, 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 so right. My yeah. wife is the director, and I'm like, oh, I got to take notes. I told you. The garbage is <laughs> What did I, I do? know. I know it's almost like when I if I try to practice it like I don't I don't act I mean I haven't really done any audition but in the past when I have and my wife is seeing it like I'm doing it at home mm -hmm. I feel I feel like she's looking at my acting and thinking oh my god what the fuck are we gonna do the next 20 years <laughs> I, I'm auditioning for her I'm not even auditioning for the part I just want her to think I'm at least in the game you know <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Well, you got you got all that energy, but you're upstate now. You're in like Fredonia by Buffalo, right? Uh, yeah. I live like 45 minutes outside of Buffalo. Uh, I mean, I'm on the road, no yeah. problem. Whatever but it doesn't a, slow me down. Yeah, it's a, it's a little a little uh, the the pace of life is a little different up there, and the environment's a little different up there. You got a great bit uh, that I want to play now. Got a lot of the deer crossing signs. Just ever driving along, you have woods for 10 miles on either side of you. All of a sudden, you get to the 11th mile, there's a sign saying, deer crossing next four miles. What about the last 10? <laughs> How are you so confident that you didn't even need a sign? Like, hundreds of years ago, did, like, one highway representative sit down with one deer representing all the deers? That's how long ago this was. It was they were still called deers back then. And the highway guy said to the deer, if you can get all the other deer to cross between exit 42 and exit 43, I think I can get all my people to slow down when we go through that area. 
and the deer going, no, no, no. You want us to walk up a mile, to cross over, to come back down a mile, and to get to the pond to drink? No, no, no. I got to go back to the other deers with more. You got to give me more. I got to go back with more. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> the highway guy said, how about this? For now on, when there's more than just one of you, it's still just deer. <laughs> yeah? We dropped the S. <laughs> Only fish have that right now. <laughs> That's funny. I love the sit-down with the deer. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, thanks. You know, I got to say, bro, and not just because it's my bit, but, like, that's one of these bits where it's goofy, you know, and you got to yeah. play along and you got to go with it. And it's one of those bits that only I got the confidence from headline and keep doing it. And it's just like it doesn't work that way as much anymore with stand-up now. It's like mm-hmm. people, you know, they just – it's all internet shit, you know. They write stuff and they put it out. And jokes don't really have enough time to mature these days. Even even Netflix specials, you're paying millions of dollars to give a guy a Netflix special. He just put one out the year before. You gotta know the new one's not gonna be as good as the yeah. old one. Yeah, I it mean, takes it comment. takes time. It, no one no one realizes how much time it takes to craft a bit, and uh, and the writing in it is, is really the, the writing is is takes the time to find what it is and then the performance and then putting it all together. Is that why you moved more towards writing? Because the writing of the bit is great. It's storytelling. Uh, well, no, I've always had an affinity for writing, but the thing where I was hitting them uh, bothering me is like one time like, I had to deal with CBS, right? So you're mm-hmm. going to do a sit- sitcom. So I'm not a writer, you know, even though we all just watched the whole hour of fucking set that I did. Sorry, I'm cursing. Mm-hmm. So anyway... They give you the showrunner. He takes all the money. He writes this pilot. You know how the whole thing goes. Mm-hmm. And it was driving me nuts. And then out of nowhere, Kevin James, God bless him, man, offered me a job writing. And it was like I, I jumped at that. And not only am I a huge fan of Kevin, but because well, now that I can put on my resume I'm a writer, mm-hmm. next time I go, to, I go to pitch something, you can't pawn some guy off me. Right. I'm a writer. I'm yeah. a, and, and, you know, and it took literally – two seconds to be in the room in the writer's room to realize I can do this. So can so many other comedians, we can do it. It's like this, it's like this isolate. It's always been just this thing where comics can't do that aspect. And you really can't, and especially in a sitcom, you don't even need a computer. You, they got somebody who, who's typing what you say. <laughs> yeah. They just sitting there like this. Bah, 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 bah. And you're actually better than all the other writers in that environment because not all of them, but a lot of them because they're not comedians. Yeah, you- so they're, they may have something funny, but it doesn't come to them right away, and they don't have the confidence to say it out loud in front of Kevin James, let alone all these other writers. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and then once you get the reputation, I just, I, yeah, I just have always liked writing, and uh, I just, I, I, sometimes I like to just uh, stay home. Like, I wrote the whole thing, flagrant, me and the other guy, he wrote with me, this guy Pete Hall is a great writer, and mm-hmm. we wrote on Kevin, Kevin Can Wait, and there's like a team of 11 writers on there. And uh, when we this thing came along, you know, they had asked us if we wanted a writing room, mm-hmm. and we were, we were both like, "No, I, I've I've had enough of people telling you know I'd like to be the one to decide now." And even if you have another person writing in a room with you, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it takes so long just to politely tell them you're not going to use what they said. It just yeah. slows you down. Yeah. So this guy, right? We we never fight. If we don't both don't think it's funny, it doesn't stay in. And we just plowed. We wrote eight of them, man, and we love them. So, yeah. Well, I we'll see what there's, happens. There's two things I wanted to ask you in in what you just said. One was the belief that you can do it, and that that that's really strong because your belief is always like 
Well, you can't do yeah. but, but it. It's always the uncertainty. Like, I've never done this before. I don't believe that I can because it's the uncertainty. If you're comfortable in the uncertainty, then you can move through it without any anxiety and go, oh, I can do this. And it's not a big, it's not a big emotional stress, uh, stress inducer, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. I mean, the first few things I wrote that weren't very good, but I can't write. Some of the writers write fast. They yeah. write well, well and fast. I it takes a long time because I you know I just think something sounds normal then I read it the next morning and it doesn't sound normal but I get there but I get there yeah but you you're, you're from, now you know what your process is in that context of writing you didn't know what it was before because you didn't know what it was but you believed you can do it and you were solving the problems rather than blaming yourself in storytelling about why how come I can't do this <laughs> yeah yeah well and also I mean it all started with the big break from KJ but yeah. at the end of the day when you write bro and you notice too it's like uh they don't care the, the pen doesn't care how old you are nah. no you know and doesn't care where you're doing it from so when you can make a make some money writing that's like that's just extra money that's yeah that's yeah and the other thing is when we got our deals and they said it's not really about our ability they told us it was our ability you can't do because you're a comic it's about them keeping their jobs they didn't yeah they you just everyone it, it's it's like this in most industries if you hire somebody if that guy goes to shit you're going to get blamed for it so yeah why did you hire him well he wrote all of this i didn't know he was going to take a dump now you know it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right well, you, I, you know and the funny thing to me is like years ago Long story short, I got to have breakfast once with the guy. Oh, man, he used to run NBC when Seinfeld was on. Littlefield. Warren mm -hmm. Littlefield. And at that time now, Warren Littlefield had his own production company. And he's told me this great story over breakfast that when they made the Seinfeld show, the mm -hmm. pilot, he goes, there was another a showrunner attached to it. He was That showrunner was guaranteed like 12% of the show. Right. So he goes, we made the pilot. I don't even know if Elaine was in the pilot or whatever, and he, I don't remember what he said, but he goes, but it was okay. It was pretty funny, but we didn't, you know, we, and we didn't know if we were going to continue. With it. And we were having some conversations with Jerry, and he had some thoughts. And then we said, well, you know what? Let's, let's at least start Clean Slate. You didn't hit it off with that showrunner. So let's go and see if we can offer him. And they offered him $250,000 for his 12%. And he goes, and, the, and he goes, the guy took it. He goes, and anyone would have taken it. We didn't even know if we were going to refill sure. this thing. We don't, you know, so it's like, fine. And you know how pilots turn over all the time. So then Larry David and Jerry wrote it, and it became what it became. And he's like, that guy's share went on to be like $300 million. Yeah. He goes, just after the first, which that guy didn't get. Um, but the thing is, the most successful sitcom of all time, you actually let the comics write it. And then yeah. you've almost ne never allowed that daily ever since. Yeah. yeah, that guy yeah. has a machine that kicks himself in the ass in the morning. Oh, man. And what are you going to do? You got to, you know, I would have did the same thing. You yeah, it's, it's, you got 200, you got a quarter million in your hand now. You know, you don't, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my question is this, how much of your own life, because I know on Ray on Ray's show, uh, the Rise would bring in stuff that happened over the weekend of their own lives as fodder for an episode. Did you guys do yeah. that, Kevin? Yeah, you do bring in your own. And, and when I first got the show, you know, the show took place on Long Island, and I grew mm -hmm. up on Long Island. So, but the, within the first couple of days there, we were, we were outside. Uh, Kevin was having a cigar. Everyone, well, a couple of writers, comics, which bullshitting. And I was telling him a story about a buddy of mine who lives upstate where I live now, who I was at his house, and he's got this pool, and his neighbor's got a tree right there. And he's telling me, he's like, the tree has been dying, but it ain't going down, and the neighbor won't cut it. <laughs> 
So he goes, bro, I've been, I've been at night, I'm drilling into the middle of the tree. And oh God. Try, try, trying to bring this thing down. So we wrote a whole episode and filmed this whole episode where Kevin wants to take his neighbor's tree down because it's blocking the pool a little bit. Mm. And then everything goes haywire and became a really big, funny ass episode. But yeah, we do that a lot, man. You yeah. do that a lot. You bring it, bring in stuff from, and, and again, you know, a guy like Kevin, you want to do that for it. If I was ever running a room, I, I, you, you want your writers to be having so much fun and, and have them know if you could help them down the line, you will, so that they, you don't want a writer who has a funny thing happen with his wife and then he doesn't, he goes, I'm going to save that for my own yeah. pilot. I want you to give me that thing. Yeah. I want, you know what I'm saying? So Ray, that, that show, that was just a, such a great team of love mm. and every, you know, and everyone knew we're all in this together. No one was holding holding on to their bits and shit. It's human nature. I mean, Top Gear uh, was was great for for us because they are our executive producer said, "I want you guys to have input. I want you guys to to feel connected to everything we do," which was great because I got to just I just got to, I was a mad scientist for six years, Pete. I could just let me put I this know. on a car. I want to put guns on a car. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do this. Anthony, let me do whatever I want. But uh, I want you to write an episode about this bit because this really made me laugh. Whenever I'm going to break the law in my vehicle, I announce it to everybody else in the vehicle. <laughs> Like if I'm going to make an illegal U-turn, I'm like, I'm banging a Yui. Everybody get ready. I'm banging a Yui. Get ready. Get ready. I don't even know what that means for everybody else. Duck. I'm not sure. I'm just letting you know I'm about to do a violation. Whatever you got to do to be comfortable with that, get comfortable. I mean, I say it so clearly that if a cop pulled me over and I tried to talk my way out of it, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I couldn't make that turn. But the cop would look at me and go, God, I read your lips through the windshield <laughs> saying you're going to bang a you. <laughs> That's funny. That's, you know what? Thank you. I think it's an Italian thing to alleviate guilt. Ah, you can't prosecute me. <laughs> I told you I was going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because like those stories of things that happen, they make the best. I mean, we're used to it because we're comics, and you know the type of comics we are. We're writing about our lives, but when you can, when those stories, when you bring them into a room and make them bigger and see how bigger they can become. That's that's yeah. just amazing to me because that's the synergism. That's when that's when the magic happens between the space between two people, and that's what I'm chasing. Uh, uh, I'm chasing that with uh, with the audience. You know, when something grows bigger. Yeah, I, I, and that's the one aspect which is such a dying thing with the, the the sitcom, which I did not anticipate. But the energy of of like what you're saying, you take a bit, and then even even if you take it beyond your stand up act, and you mm. write it out, and you see two actors bring it to life, and then you hear this place erupt. Even though you're not the one in the scene, you know you wrote it, and it's like a really cool feeling, man. And it's a, it's a shame that that sitcom situ, you know, that's not as popular anymore because mm. man, it's it's really electric and fun. I mean, Kevin James, by the way, is the best sitcom actor I've ever seen in my damn life. Holy cow! Yeah, I, I it is so much cool. fun when the live audience kicks in. I mean, that, that, I think that was the last time I saw you was on the set uh, of Kevin Can Wait. Yeah, I well, I learned it was great. I learned early on. Rock Rubin gave me a little tip here, helped me with this, but. Like after a script is written and everyone thinks they got a better line, you know, you keep pitching your new lines all week long. And even if someone has a great line and it gets switched, 
by Friday, after all the rehearsals, no one's laughing as much. They've heard it a zillion times. So people start to second guess those jokes, you know? Mm -hmm. So the night before every show, we were in these apartments. I was, at least. I didn't live anywhere near where we were filming. So the night before every taping, I would take the script back to my apartment. I'd have like a six-pack of Bud, and I'd sit in my apartment, and I would pick like five jokes that I didn't think were going to land and that Kevin was going to want a, a different joke. And I would just focus on those five and just drink my six-pack, crank some tunes, and just all night long. And then like the first three or four episodes after that, I, I you know, Kevin's like, we need an alt. And I go, what about this? And I was getting a big, I mean, big laughs, like where they had to break scene a few times. Mm -hmm. And then and then some people are like, wow, Corey, only thinks of stuff on the fly. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I ain't thinking of it on the fly, man. I'm, I'm just zoning in on five lines, you know? Yeah. Like the showrunner has to zone in on the entire script and every single scene. Yeah, you're a sniper. Yeah. Exactly, man. And, you know, you forget the power. Just one freaking joke sometimes can just bury a room. It's so great. Can no I joke, ask baby. you to tell the Billy Joel story with Kevin? Oh, man, yeah. Shit. So I love Billy Joel more mm -hmm. than anything. And about a week, you got to remember, like, I was camping. And I got a phone call. Do you want to write for Kevin? I had never met Kevin. I've been a distant fan. Like, I never, nothing. Mm -hmm. Never even saw him at a club. So a week later, I'm writing for this guy. I'm hanging out with him right there. So that right in and of itself was nuts to me. And then Kevin, I'm telling him I'm a Billy Joel fan. He's like, I'm really good friends with Billy. So I was like, wow. And then like two days later, you know, I come. he calls me into the office and he goes, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, well, nothing. We just got these apartments by myself. It's like, we're going to go see Billy at the garden and we're going to say hi to him in the green room, right? So I'm like, oh my God, flipping out. So we go. And we meet Billy, Rock Rubens with us too. And we're in the green room. Billy comes over and this guy's my hero, bro. You don't understand. I mean, uh, yeah, you ever love someone so much you're like, what can I say to you that'll make you ask me to come over and hang out with you? You know? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So we're just, then we're, 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 he introduces us and we're all sitting there. He's mostly talking to Kevin. And then he goes, uh, yeah, it should be a good show. He goes, we got Tony Tony Bennett's coming out to do a number. And he goes, oh, with Tony, Billy Joel goes, you got you to follow along. You never know where Tony's going to go. Mm -hmm. And then I go, I go, oh, Billy, I saw you at uh, uh, City Field a couple of years back. And Tony Bennett was saying, I go, bro, I don't even think he knew he was outside, you know? <laughs> and, and Billy Joel starts laughing. And I'm telling you, a couple of minutes, seconds later, minutes later, he goes, uh, wait, wait, what are you guys doing after the show? I'm like, nothing, you know, and, and uh, he goes, well, why don't we get dinner? Why don't we all go get dinner? I'm, I'm going to have dinner with Chaz at Chaz Palmateri's place. And uh, mm -hmm. so then me, Rock Rubin, Kevin, uh, next thing you know, I'm having dinner with Billy Joel and Chaz Palmateri. <laughs> and I didn't say much, but I had been drinking too at that Billy Joel concert, bro. And it all went so good. I got my photo with Billy and everything. And then right at the end, he was getting in his limo and he's got his Met hat on. And I went over all drunk. And I'm like... <laughs> You remember uh, Billy, and I know he's standing there. You know how it is. He's like, "Oh God, open the door, open the fucking car door, let me get out." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a Yankee fan. I got to switch over, Billy. Oh God, never do it." But you wake up the next day and you're reliving it, and you're embarrassed in your own bed. You know, you're like, "Ah." Oh, <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that. Yeah. Oh God! It's just the way you tell that story. <laughs> oh, man. That was that was like the Seinfeld story. I was there 
I remember the night you were, Seinfeld was at the cellar. I know he was, he was talking to Papa, and you went up to talk to him before the set. Yeah. And you went back again after the set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was bad, too. I was, so the second time I went back up, uh, and it was perfect. The first time I went up, Papa, I, I, I relived the story with Tom Papa, and he goes, it, it really was perfect. They go, right, Tom? I said something funny. Hi to Jerry. I slid right out. And Tom goes, dude, it was so perfect that even Jerry said, who's that? And I'm like, oh, he's a funny comedian friend of mine, Pete Corielli. So then when I slid back the second time, Tom goes, he knew I'd been drinking. Like, I, I, he goes, I come over. And he goes, I'm literally trying to make eye contact with you, like not to come over. I come over anyway, and I go, Tom, this isn't for you. Jerry, this is for you, bro. You got to host the Oscars. <laughs> and and he's not even looking at me, you know what I mean? He was not even making eye contact with me. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, like that, you know? <laughs> and it was so embarrassing that I had that. I did one of these where I go, anyway, goodbye. I go, goodbye again, and I, and I do a backpedal. Oh, my God. I but I get that Pete I get that when I I wake up in the morning and I review stuff and I'm like oh I'm I'm a piece of crap what am I doing I just, yeah <laughs> it freaks me out I don't know why I know I know and you're not even you, when you're embarrassed and you're not even there anymore you're not even in the moment anymore yeah. but I don't know man like my wife is really good at like not letting shit bother her that happened whatever happened mm -hmm. happened and I just. Even with your own wife, I, I bet she doesn't get nearly as caught up in the, the little bullshit like we do as comics sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, our minds just go focus on that negative stuff. But the one thing that was great for me getting out of getting out of the city, though, was by the time I was done in the city, I was it was a Debbie Downer sometimes to being around comics that were some of them were upset that their career wasn't where they would want it to be, mm -hmm. and, and that and that kind of. Man, when you're around negativity, it kind of does take away from the creativity, you know. Sure. So, so I, uh, I was never one with that. At least I never really got mad for anyone else's success. Mm. You know. That's, well, comparison is the thief of joy, my friend. Ah, dig it, bro. Yeah. And you've always been so hilarious, bro. I've always enjoyed watching your stuff. Always, dude. Oh, thanks, my friend. So, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have fun that night. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. The 29th, we are, we are at the Keswick together, and uh, I'm really enjoying your podcast with Sebastian. Tell me how that that came about. Well, we met uh, years ago. We were doing a tour together in Toronto, mm -hmm. um, where we had to do like five nights together. A couple other dudes from other countries, but we became friends. We just really hit it off. Right. And and then I was living in L.A. for a year, and uh, he, you know, like I said, we were very friendly, and he was like, "You want to do a cast together?" Mm -hmm. I remember he goes, he goes, I got a guy. And I go, all right, we go to this fucking dumpy little basement apartment somewhere. And we're like knee to knee and some guy, I, he didn't even know how to work the equipment. And I used to do radio with Brewer, Jim Brewer. And I had a friend of mine that works with Sirius who's unbelievable with the radio. And I go, listen, I got a guy. Why don't, let me just give him a piece of what we said and mm -hmm. I'll play it for you. And then uh, Sebastian's like, oh, my God, we got it. His name was Lou. He's like, we got to use Lou. So then we, we just started doing it. And it just like right away, we were both like, you want guests? And I was like, I, I'm not going to get them. And he's like, I'm not going to get them either. Mm. So I, I go, I heard consistency is the best with these things. I go, so we just never had guests. And then I moved pretty quickly. My wife got pregnant. And I left there. We were like, whatever. We just still kept doing it. Um, via, you know, first we were on Sirius XM or whatever, but we always just kept doing it wherever we were. I, when I first moved up here, I didn't even have internet. 
<laughs> so to keep the cast going, I would take my Jeep Wrangler and I would drive to the Tim Hortons parking lot and I would use <laughs> their internet and do it from the back, back of the Jeep, smoking weed out of the back fucking seat of the Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> but we just kept it going, man. We just kept it going, and it's uh, gotten really popular. And, you know, and the only thing I'll say about our cast, as opposed to a lot of these things out there I see, is we do it for like an hour, maybe hour and ten minutes each week. I, I, I say to people, I know I'm not funny the whole time, but I'm tr- I'm trying to be. I am <laughs> trying to be funny. I just right. want to, and so, so is he. Sure. Also, bro, do you find that? I know I'm random raving here. I I enjoy all the comedians now. I, I I can't believe anybody laughed at me when I was thirty. Why would Why would a man who was fifty laugh at me at thirty? I'd be looking at thirty year old comedian go, "What do you know about anything?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's the one thing I love about comedy is rock stars tend to like get to a certain age and you don't want to hear any more of their music. But mm-hmm. a comics, I think a comic's voice gets more valuable as he gets older because he's seen seen more shit, man. Yeah. The the other thing about, about having some, if you got some miles on you, you can find a little thing and make it funny to let everybody into the tent. You got a great ice cream bit I want to play. I go to have my ice cream. That's my snack. Freezer burnt. Oh, you have no idea, man. That's my Saturday night, man. My wife goes, well, just calm down. Just put it back in the freezer and we'll return it tomorrow to the supermarket. I'm like, grown men do not return ice cream. <laughs> She's like, well, then I guess she's just out five bucks. I'm like, well, either that or I guess I'll just have to shoplift five dollars worth of shit next time I go to supermarket. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> like I was in the bakery section. You know where you get your donuts and you put them in a white wax bag? I got four donuts. I put them in the bag. I get them to the register. Right, right away, the lady's like, how many donuts in the bag? I'm like, two. <laughs> You have no idea how scary that is until it's actually going down. Oh, my God, man. I was like, I was trying to get heroin across the border. Up my head, I'm like, oh, God, just swipe the bag, lady. Swipe the bag. Swipe the bag. I'm walking out. My wife is whispering, it's 55 cents a donut. Why would you even put us in that situation? I'm like, because of the freezer burnt ice cream. Just keep walking. Keep walking. around the parking lot and she's like what would you have done if they opened up the bag and saw four donuts I go I would have just been like my wife must have put two more donuts in there (laughs) when I wasn't paying attention you know what's great about that bit it starts with one incident and then it unravels to a whole story and it brings in other characters and stuff and you gotta that's that's well crafted my friend Ah, oh, thanks, bro. Coming from you means a lot. Wow, you really do like a whole James Lipton thing here, bro. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a big fan, Pete, and uh, and I can't thank you enough for doing this. I look forward to seeing you. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you uh, on the internet, where do they go? Uh, they go to PeteCorielli dot com, and you can get the podcast I do with Sebastian. You get everything else, and I just want to say to you that uh, Rescue Me is my wife's favorite TV show of all time and one of my top five, bro. I mean, it's right. You should be as proud of being a part of that as the people are that were a part of Breaking Bad. I mean, that show was so good. So uh, great, man. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, it was so much so, fun to do. It really was. I bet. Well, I look great on it, man. You, baby. Best to you in the family. All right. Same, brother. Good hanging.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. My name's Pete Corielli, and that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. I don't want it back. I love the memory. I love that Pete announces when he's about to break the law. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it better. It's, I, I, I think it's like alleviating guilt. Like, is it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You can't yell at me because I'm telling you I'm going to do this. <laughs> you know, this. This is because I didn't realize I did that until he said that. <laughs> you mean the U-turn? Anytime so, well, yeah, anytime someone's in the car, you're doing something sketchy, you're like, all right, yeah, as he said, I'm banging a Yui. I'm banging a Yui. Get ready, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? I had no idea. I did that. And he said that, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I do that, too. And maybe that is, I don't know whether that's to brace everybody in the car, whether that's, like you said, to it's my guilt, so I don't feel guilty about doing something, but I am definitely guilty of that shit. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mark, but that, yeah. I'm the person in the car saying, you know, you really shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's always one, Alex. It's you. I don't know if you should do that, Adam. Uh, I'm going to look down, so Adam. You can, is that how, so you can say at the end, when it goes badly, be like, I told you we shouldn't have done that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do when, when we're in the car that she hates? Every time we pass a cop, I go, be cool. It's the cops. She's like, stop it. Oh, it's like, me nervous. <laughs> It does the opposite, and I and he loves that. Can't stand that. She gets all nervous. Why? What are we gonna do? Stop it! Stop it. <laughs> they come to the car. You don't say nothing. All right, Alex. You don't know nothing. Right. I'll get on ways, and I'll say I'll report. You know, so other people can slow down right before they come. Adam's like, there he is. <laughs> That's why oh when I'm shopping with Alex at the supermarket, I will not steal a donut because she'll crumble under the pressure. And I can't take it. I can't take it. When I was a little kid, I stole a piece of gum or whatever. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep the whole night. I was six. <laughs> and put whatever on the counter and run out. <laughs> take it. Take it. I don't want it no more. I can't, I got the same thing like when they, they cuz the self checkout every time I'm sitting there going how much for this yogurt I'll put it in a bag who's going to know and I'm like I can't do it I can't I'm sweating just thinking about it they're going to know FYI Adam facial mm -hmm. recognition 
Well, well, it's not even that. It's like I, I pay for everything, right? Because I just I, I just, and then when I walk out, nobody checks. I'm like, well, someone just check this. I need everyone to know I'm an honest man, okay? Somebody <laughs> oh, check honest. this receipt. Honest, Adam. Come on now. What? Every time I go into Whole Foods, who has their hand in the chocolate pretzel bin? Okay, the prices <laughs> went up. <laughs> yes. So you're just like Pete. Everything went up, so I just I don't leave the store with it. That's the difference. He left the store with it. I, yeah, I, I weigh you. Weigh I you eat it right in the store. Exactly. Way you wouldn't go out. Yeah. And Adam, do you remember the first time I was out in LA and you're like, Hey, let's walk and we'll go to this we'll go to the Whole Foods. Uh-huh. First thing you did, you you grabbed some of those chocolate pretzels. Apparently that's your favorite crime. It is. And then you handed me a couple. You handed me a couple and you're like, Come on, go have some. So I ate one, and then immediately you just looked at me and go, now you're in. Now you're positive, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, Mark. He does that to me, too, and it's all, and it's also chocolate almonds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he shoves it in my mouth yeah. before I, I swallow it, and he's like, and he just smiles at me like, yes. ha, ha, ha. Ah, They yeah, saw yeah. it on camera. They saw you eating it. It's called aiding and abetting. Yes. yes. Now I'm part of it. Yeah. Now I'm all pulled into it. But I well, love yeah. it when he was talking about when he talked about being at the checkout, he's like, I was so nervous. I was like, I was like right there. And I love that his wife was part of that. Pete, mm-hmm. by the way, an enormously funny guy. Yeah. Oh my God, that I love. I, mm-hmm. I love hearing you guys talk. Maybe it is that accent. Maybe it is the Long Island sense of humor, the East Coast sense of humor. I don't know. But I I it just it speaks to me. Maybe it's because secretly I want to be a crime boss too. So every time I hear that you guys... Now you don't. Now you don't. Run away. (laughs) Save yourself. You will never be... You'll never be able to enjoy a walk in the woods again. All right? (laughs) Oh, man. I yeah, but that that, that motor, that pay, that that motor, that that constant go 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 go. You know, Pete Pete had that. He even said, you know, he was, he was hustling when he was doing the uh, the podcast with Sebastian. He's like, it's it's got to get done. So he's he's in his jeep. He's he's getting high in his jeep outside because he has <laughs> because he has no internet. So he's finding internet and he's burning one and doing a podcast with Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's piggybacking on the Wi-Fi from that place. Yeah, that's just genius. Yeah. It really was Smart. great. Smart. I, yeah, I guess that's how we are in the East Coast, Alex. I don't know how you put up with us, honestly. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Adam's the same way. When you get knocked down, Adam, you just mm. get right back up. I think it's like, I don't know, your family, the weather. Yeah, and I'm angrier. <laughs> I get back up and I'm angrier. <laughs> yeah. Here, here, if someone gets knocked down, they're like, oh, I don't know why or how that happened. And can someone get me a cold kombucha? <laughs> <laughs> I need a motivational yeah. audio series and I need to stream something that's soothing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You know what, Adam? I also think East Coast, there's somewhat of an impatient thing like west coast we have patience or it's, mm. we seem to have patience we go a little slower mm. but i think east coast it's like get out of my way get out yeah. of my way i gotta get this done i gotta get this done well it's 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 density population in new york city there's eight million people on a 26 mile island there's no time for chit chat someone's gonna take the cab and it's freezing right <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
It's, are you kidding? I have to get to where I'm going. As soon as you open the door, you are in the flow of New York. Go. That's just go. You know, you can. <laughs> there's not a lot. It's, it's even like, Mark, even when, when my wife has to give me some information, I have to say, bottom line, baby. Just bottom line. I just. Yeah, I have to bottom line it. I don't need the context of it. Something. Just give me the verb. Move, buy, paint, stop, pick. <laughs> give me the action word of the sentence. <laughs> He'll look at me. Are you happy? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you said, I, I, I don't have a lot of patience. Well, the good news is I bet that's how the wheel was invented, Adam. It was an impatient caveman because he had to get there quicker. <laughs> <laughs> you know why he invented it? Because his wife wanted him to move shit to the other side of the cave. That's why. <laughs> and there was a game on. <laughs> yeah, it was a game on. <laughs> Poor guy, just he's been out hunting dinosaurs all day, trying to. <laughs> he's sitting there going, ah, this fire thing keeps burning my fingers. I don't know what we're going to use it for. <laughs> he's trying to figure that out. There's a game on. His friends like, let's go for a walk in the woods. It's so peaceful. Like we work in the woods, you asshole. <laughs> I can't relax where I work. Come on. Yeah. That's yeah, great. but Pete did, Pete, did, you know, he he just, all right, what's the next thing? You know, he was like, oh, out of the blue. I think that's, there's a momentum of creativity. I mean, my manager says the same thing. Work begets work. You know, you just keep doing stuff. And out of the blue, Kevin called him to write and it saved his ass, you know. And, and then once he did it, it changes the perception of how people see him. Yes, Stern. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like he he knew how to do it, but it's obviously there's, intimidation factor before you fully jump into that pool uh-huh. but everybody looks at you differently now because it's like oh you're a writer it's like just to give you that label and and listen i i've dealt with this my whole life of being a producer and you want to be regarded as a host or talent but when you do something and people are like oh you can do that okay uh-huh. and you can see them regard you differently and i i love that because i always love when people underestimate you and you know, they think that you can't do something because you haven't done it before. And right. then you go do it and then you get that label. And it's like, oh, yeah, this guy can do that shit. So I it's love that. Tr- from Pete. It's true. You know, when you have to get something done, you end up like doing something. You're like, oh, crap. I just I just did something a producer would do. Mm-hmm. I just did something yeah. an editor would do. You know, you just get it done. I don't, I don't know if that's fake it to you make it kind of thing. But it's yeah. uh, if, if you if you have a belief that you can do something, it's very powerful. Or if you're desperate enough, you're like, well, no one else is helping me. It's my ass I got to save. Right, right. It's yeah. due on Monday at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, and just, I love, I love, I don't know. I love that sort of like change in the arc of his career because that's, that's a cool thing. You know, I mean, I've never really been in a writer's room. I guess the closest I've come is when we're, you and I break down the show, Adam. Well, breaking down the show is usually done in a writer's room, not in the friggin' woods, Stern. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Remember, remember when Greg was telling us how they were breaking down their shows when they were doing Sprung? They were mm-hmm. all spread out in his yard, like out in nature. I loved it. It was like having a class outside. You got okay. to think outside the box, man. Okay. They yeah, didn't. I like it. They were in a backyard. They didn't need supplies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair point. Hey, Stop Mark. Next time, yeah. pack chocolate pretzels. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> Here, have some of these. And you can leave a trail so we won't get lost coming back. Adam, how funny was it? He got so drunk <clears throat> and he was trying to like bond with Billy Joel. Yeah. 
<laughs> After a whole night, he saw, he, he saw the concert. They went out to dinner with Chaz. He's sitting there and he's just standing there going, Met fan, ah, oh, Billy Yankees. Yeah, he's like, oh, Jesus. Is that a bad thing to do? I was going to ask you. Is that like you should never do that? What, you should never get drunk and annoy people? Yes, no, no, that's no, no, you should no, never no. get drunk and annoy people. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, if, like, you, you meet a Mets fan. Because I know, like, a 49er fan should never say to an Oakland Raider fan. No, because that'll get you stabbed. But you don't want to... <laughs> no, you got to be cool. You got to slide in. It's like, it's like the Seinfeld story. The first time Papa introduced him, and I was there that night, too. I remember when Papa introduced him. He was great. He came in, he made a joke, he left, and even Jerry said, well, who's that guy? Then a couple of belts later, all right, Jerry. He's like, ah, I did it again. <laughs> We've all done that. We've all like done that. like a cousin. That. Yeah. A cousin. Especially if there's alcohol involved. Mm -hmm. I've done it. And I, in fact, yeah. can I take this, this time right now on this fine program and <laughs> offer an apology to Billy Crudup, the wonderful oh. and talented actor, Billy Crudup, who is oh. at a wedding of a really good friend of mine. And the first time I encountered him that night, it was a wonderful exchange. I was like, I've acted. We talked about theater. We talked about films. By the 17th time I ran into him, <laughs> you can see his eyes. He was like, not this fucking guy. <laughs> I'm at the urinal. I'm taking a leak. Will you please not talk to me right now? Oh, I'm sorry, Billy. If I ever see you again, I will punch myself in the face. I am so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. I will Stern up Stern apologizes to Billy Crudup and if Phil was here he would apologize to Laura Dern chasing her around. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Wasn't Martin Mull like somebody he also He would apologize to Martin Mull too. Yes. <laughs> and I want to apologize to the people that own Whole Foods about the chocolate pretzels. Um, Are you making a promise? What? Are you making a promise? No, I apologize that I haven't taken enough. Lower your prices, you <laughs> bastards. I want to thank my pal Pete Corielli for being my guest. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, tell uh, 114 people you love about the show. That'll help us spread the word. And if you can leave us a review, that helps us with our friend... Mr. Algorithm. We are all in this together, brothers and sisters, so please share the road and always remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Go in peace. And Adam, remember remember all the people who saw? Remember that lovely, serene lady sitting on the bench? How peaceful she was? She was dead, okay? She's, she died <laughs> on the bench. Rest in peace, Ida Moskovitz. You will be missed. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.